AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. Hey Manish, I think uh, you have some story about adware, like uh, basically malicious apps in the Google Play. That's right. Checkpoint uh, recently wrote a blog post about some activity that they're calling Lights Out. Basically, there's about 22 malicious apps on the Google Play Store that uh, you know, they've been downloaded somewhere like between 1.5 and 7.5 million downloads. So what they do is they serve up ads to the user and it's pretty terrible because uh, in some cases it's it's forcing the user to click on an ad before they're able to answer a phone call. Okay. So the ads are triggered by a lot of different events. Connect to Wi-Fi, it'll an ad will pop up. You end a call, the ad will pop up and mm -hmm. some other things like you plug it into a charger, an ad will pop up. So I think the real issue with this app is that they're utility apps. So it's like uh, basically flashlight apps. Okay. So they, they seem pretty harmless. So, you know, people tend to download them without thinking twice about it. And they're on the official Google Play Store. So, you know, you think they should, they should be okay. However, they're, you know, then they're getting served with all these ads and they're it's constantly serving ads. It's being called the uh, lights out because they're typically flashlight apps or other utility type apps. It hides the icon. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the user doesn't even realize what's serving up these ads. And even if there's an app that they think that's causing the ads and they try to delete that app, you know, since the app is actually hidden, they haven't really done anything. There's no connection with the app and the ads that are being served. So they have no idea why these ads are uh, being served up to them. But is there anything other than, you know, hiding the apps? Is there anything maliciousness associated with these apps? It's just uh, these apps it just seem to force the user to um, you know, look at, view the ads or click on the ads. So it's okay. just for, for AdWords. Kind of for generating some money for... Right, they're okay. generating uh, income from uh, serving up the ads, basically. I've seen with with some apps that I install on, on my devices where they do pop up ads, but then they say, well, if you want the ads to go away, pay a little extra and the ads will disappear. Is there anything like that? So the post actually mentioned that one user uh, actually said that they actually did pay for the app but the ads never went away. So they got hit twice. They actually paid for the app and they're being served with all these ads. This is a tricky situation. I mean, most of the times in this case, I think a few apps uh, were able to sneak into the official Play Store. It really puts the pressure on the actual end user to have to do more. We're constantly telling them to, you know, do the right thing, go to the right places and things like that. Well. <laughs> that's become difficult also. So typically you have to be very careful from the, the, uh, the, the stores that are not the official Google Play Store. But in this case, the ones from the official Google Play Store are also malicious. You really need to vet the apps, I guess, read the, uh, the reviews, the more recent reviews. You know, I, I think in this case it would be hard because these, these apps were downloaded millions of times. So I would not suspect that that was a malicious app. It's a good practice to kind of constantly back up your phone so that when you do have something malicious on your phone, you can wipe it and then just restore it from the backup. But you also have to make sure that you're not restoring the malicious stuff with it. So you have to, con you have to really be aware of what you're backing up and when you're backing it up. It's always wise to get one app at a time instead of getting multiple apps at the same time. The reason being, you know, if something is malicious happening in this case, it's easier to revert back. Oh, you know, okay, this is the only one change from the previous time. So, Tony, I heard you have a story about a new Mirai uh, variant called Okiri. The Okiri botnet, as you said, is a variant of the Mirai botnet. It's also called Satori. But the thing that 
really brings this one into perspective is the researchers at Malware Must Die did some research and found out that this particular botnet is targeting ARC processors. ARC standing for uh, Argonaut Risk Core is the second most popular processor that's available out to the public. It's behind uh, many different computing products, not only just, you know, standard systems, but also IoT devices. Pretty much anything that you can name, there's a good chance that an ARC processor is behind it. So with this one, it is the first time that they've ever seen that processor being targeted by this sort of botnet. And some independent researchers also confirmed that and stated that the malware being used was ELF, which ELF is a malware that's targeting Linux operating systems. So putting those two together, we now have a new facet of, of targets out on the Internet. The article also stated that on average, one to two billion of these processors are being pushed out into the public yearly. They're sold very cheap. They probably have very little to no security built into them. The end user that's buying these devices, they're not probably not fully aware of the security practices and how to secure those devices. That means, you know, it's a potential uh, impact if they are leveraged for, you know, DDoS kind of activity, which we have seen with the earlier versions of Mirai that could really cause significant damage. Just as a recap, the biggest DDoS attack that was recorded by a botnet, an IoT botnet, did a one terabyte per second DDoS attack. And that only had 152,000 devices. Even if one or 2% of these devices yearly are infected, that's already more than the dying DNS attack, the one terabits per second. It's kind of scary. It absolutely is. Just the idea of having that new layer to it it's something that I think cybersecurity professionals should really be talking about, whether you're a business that uses IoT or even if you're just at home and you're, you're popping these devices on your network. It's something to, to be concerned about because in the long run, what I've found is to make sure that you're, you're safe with these things is just to try to harden it, try to secure it as much as you can, not just plug it in and throw it out there. This article was really interesting because... I got a feeling that we'll all be talking about this in the future. What can be done to kind of uh, mute this, uh, these types of attacks? One of my personal uh, opinions and, and thoughts about it is anytime, whether you're doing this for personal use or you're, you're a corporation, take an inventory of all of your devices that have, in, in this instance, Linux-based ARC processor exposed to the Internet and do what you can to protect them, to, to harden the device from said attacks. You know, it's, it's something that I think everyone that wants to play in the IoT landscape really just needs to do. And if you don't have the expertise in it, you know, there's always resources out there, an opportunity to learn something additional to what, what you do on a daily basis just to make sure that you not only protect you, you protect your company, but you also protect the, the Internet as a whole. These things get wrapped up in a, a hundred, two hundred thousand devices. It can do a lot of damage. I think with the, hopefully with the new wireless standard, probably most of these, you know, the drawbacks could be addressed.
And I hope I'm hoping anyway that the new standard sure, will be WPS 3.0, yes. right? However, you know it's still going to take a few years. Yeah, but, but I think uh, we were going the right direction right, with the right, right, right. with the things they are proposing. You know, encryption between you and the IoT devices, as actually right. Tony said. Right. Hopefully, we'll see some good results very yeah. soon. Sooner rather than later, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't need the IoT device, don't plug it into the internet. I think that's basically it. If you're just doing it for a hobby and you're not really fully aware of security and things like that, just don't plug it into the internet. So Tony, I, I heard you have a story about, about a new Mirai uh, variant called Okiri. Today I'll basically talking about WebLogic based, you know, miner. The way it's working is, you know, basically trying to leverage one specific flaw in the WebLogic servers. The CVE number associated with this specific one is uh, CVE 2017-10271. The reason I think, uh, the specific reason that threat actors picked this specific flaw is uh, it has IP scanner built into it so that they're not only looking for vulnerable WebLogic servers, but they're also leveraging the scanning part to you know, look for additional you know, hosts for you know, the propagate. Uh, but the threat actors at this time, they're not doing anything related to, you know, exploration of the data or any, anything that of sort. They're only just concentrating on the mining, the actually cryptocurrency. They could basically have done whatever they wanted, uh, exfiltrate data, used it for whatever they wanted to. And instead they chose to, uh, you know, mine uh, Monero and Aeon uh, cryptocurrency. That really brings up a good point. Um, they, they're not doing these attacks where they're trying to extract all sorts of data and, and sell it or, or, or do whatever. They're low-key. They're just trying to use the processor to mine coins. And mm -hmm. they can even, at that point, you know, limit the amount of mining that they're doing on these giant servers so it doesn't spike the CPUs and generate alarms. Why is this happening? Oh, look, there's a miner on there. But if they keep it low and slow, but they have a large net of these WebLogic servers, I can see that going, you know, the, the amount that they're, they're mining just going through the roof. The amount of money they mine from Aeon is about $6,000, which is minuscule. When they compare with the Monero mining, I think uh, they got a little over a quarter million dollars. So I know that CVE, CVE 2017-10271 mm -hmm. has a severity of 9.8. And what's interesting is that that's actually a proof of concept. Mm -hmm. So these attackers basically were quickly able to take this proof of concept yeah. vulnerability and turn it into something yeah. malicious. I'm glad actually you bought that up. Actually, the 9.8 severity score, it's almost 10. That right. means, you know, it's very easily exploitable and it can be easily worn. Probably that's the reason they picked that uh, specific, sure, sure. Uh, you know, fly, you know. Very smarter than to do that. Yeah. The script they are using, XMIRZ, uh, basically, it's, it's not a, you know, uh, it's not a basically a rogue application. It's a legit Monero mining. So if someone is looking for rogue applications, it may not trip it, other, unless you're not looking for Monero so mining. Specifically looking for mining. Yeah. Some sort of indicators could be uh, monitoring for you know high CPU utilization for for any mining uh, related activity, and also any outbound connections to any known you know mining pools. Besides uh, you you know regular practices you know trying sure. to look for any the servers and yeah, uh, because in fact basically they have a patch outside there in a much longer time you know. 
So there's no reason, you know, the patch shouldn't have been applied. Sure, but that's always yeah. complicated. Keep up to date with the patches, whether it's a personal workstations, laptops, application servers, and corporate work. The reason being, there was actually a critical patch released by the Oracle for this uh, specific flaw. Used to be targeting bank accounts and things like that. Now there's a shift in uh, cryptocurrency. That's pretty smart, and it just goes to show you that there, are, you know, the bad guys are out there. They're learning, just like we're trying to learn to defend. They're trying to learn to attack. So. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.